Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Spear Factor, a spearfishing podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitman, and I'm really excited today to introduce our next guest, uh, Mr. Tim Hatler from Palapas Fontana. We talk about the Blue Water World Cup. We talk about the differences in spearfishing on the Sea Cortez side and the Pacific side of Southern Baja. We get really down into that, discussing all kinds of things that affect migration and conditions. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, and now our new sponsor, Vital Lotions Clothing Brand. Vital Lotions is a California-based environmentally conscious clothing brand. What that means is that their kind of focus is bringing awareness to protecting our oceans through their artwork on the shirts. Be sure to check out vitaloceans.com and input Spear Factor 23 for a 15% discount. Don't forget if you want to step up your spear fishing, go ahead and check out spearfishingmentor.com. There's spear fishing classes, one of them's for free give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. If you were to purchase the master class, there's over five hours of information on there for you guys. So be sure to check out spearfishingmentor.com. Now I'd like to thank our sponsor, Mr. Ted Hardy of Immersion Freediving. Uh, enter promo code SPEARFACTOR for 15% off uh, on his 28-day freediving transformation course. And uh, it's pretty awesome. I've used it and I recommend it. So you can find this course and the other courses Ted puts out for us at freedivingsafety.com. Um, like I said, enter the promo code SPEARFACTOR for the discount. And thanks, Ted, for sponsoring the show. Our next sponsor is Hot Rod Spear Guns. Uh, Paul has offered us 10% discount with a promo code SPEARFACTOR. So thanks, Paul, for making badass guns and uh, providing a hookup for our listeners. And Camiris Side Slip. So Kamira Side Slip, you can purchase those at Kamira Spearfishing. That's K-I-M-E-R-A. And basically, I've talked about the side slip before in the show. It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website. And if you use promo code SPEARFACTOR, all lowercase, at checkout, they'll give you 5% off. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor Spear Factor Podcast, feel free. Uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website, spearfactor.com. Thank you. 
everyone. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Tim Hatler. Uh, he's from Palapas, Ventana, and uh, that's a um, basically a dive resort down in Mexico that holds the uh, Blue Water World Cup every year. And we're having him back on the show to talk about this year's upcoming event. And if you guys want to, uh, you know, or you're interested in doing it, um, listen to the show and I'd strongly recommend you doing it. Everybody that I've ever talked to that's been a part of it, it's not so much the contest, but it's the people that really make the contest as well as the accommodations and the whole, the whole thing. So we're having Tim on the show to talk about it. So welcome back to the show, Tim. Thanks, Brett. Stoked to be here. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you reaching out. And it's great to get the word out and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the contest, um, <clears throat> we've had here in Southern California, San Diego, we've had quite a wet, uh, a wet winter, actually like a legitimate sort of winter for us. How, how has this year been down for you down there for you guys in ball? Has it been any different or about the same? Oh, uh, not wet. I mean, our, our rainy season is about four hours long coming up in <laughs> the end of August and September. <laughs> so definitely not wet, but it's been windy and cold. So when you guys get your Santa Ana's, it blows like snot down here. So we've had in, uh, in La Vendana where we're located a lot of, uh, windy days, which, November through March is our wind season. It's kind of a kiteboarding, wing foiling mecca. And so those guys have been super happy. It's been hard to get boats out. We still work out around the wind and get out and fish and dive as much as possible. But uh, it's caused the winds to cool the water. It's caused sardine populations to increase with all the upwellings, the nutrients. And that's good. When you When we go into the summer, we look at one of the biggest things is how's the bait is the bait holding at the island and so far it's been really good with a lot of sardines which are actually uh flat iron herring that are here at Saravo island and when they're plentiful keeps the fish around one of our winter species is the yellowtail which you guys in southern california know and love and we get a really good season it usually starts around january and it goes until may uh, and our smallest yellowtail here is about 24 pounds. Our biggest are like 40 plus, and they're called Jurel in Spanish. And they've been around, and it's been a really good winter for Jurel. Uh, they're super fun. They're diving around the, the, the bait, also the yellowtail Spanish mackerel that we have. So you're looking for those schools, ones, twos, and then sometimes more. Um, so those conditions that you've had up north have translated into wind cold upwelling bait good yellowtail and now the winds are dying and we got the nutrients out there so yeah it's not a bad thing so we've had a a, a winter that was windy now we're through it winds are dying right now and summer's coming and uh i think it's going to be a good season we've also already caught uh a few dorado which is really early to be late april early may to catching a few Dorado. So that's been really fun. So high hopes for a really good summer. Have you guys noticed, um, the water temps, are they coming back now? Are they cooler now than they usually are this time of year? Or are they still about normal? No, it's still a little bit cooler, but it's coming up fast. Uh, down in the East Cape between Cabo Pulmo and San Jose del Cabo, the water there is already 
just under 80. We're probably four degrees colder than that. But th that's this time of year, what's happening in the Eastscape is coming to us the next week. So as soon as you get that bulge of warm water in the Eastscape coming up this way, we'll start getting a little bit of uh, uh, marlin action. The marlin tend to start migrating here in, in May. You'll see them finning on the surface as they're warming up, sunning themselves. So we're still a little bit cold, but right around the corner, it should be normal temperatures soon. And uh, so, yeah, things are lining up well. Okay, so we, we, you talked about the marlin. Um, that is in May. They start migrating up there, and then they hang around. Like, what what are the temps that you see for marlin uh, down in uh, La Ventana area? That really is it. Is it around like seventy five or something that you see them start to push? Um, yeah, I'd say even a little bit warmer. I'd say like seventy seven, seventy eight. As, as soon as we start got a kind of a bulge of warmer water. With it, the marlins start coming. We start seeing south end of Saravo. They arrive early. If you watch the uh, Terrafin reports, you'll see warm water kind of swings wide first, and it hits an area outside of Saravo called the 88. And uh, that's when billfish and some of the big Dorado come in early. And so we see them when they first show up. Basically, we've got yellowtail going away, unless you're a real deep diver. Uh, and then amberjack coming in, and then marlin starting to come in as well. And the first marlin are usually, like you'll see them fitting on the surface, like groups of two and three marlin together, striped marlin, uh, and that's probably about 77, 78 degrees. Later in the summer, you're going to get, um, when the water starts stabilizing, say you fast forward to July, now you're in the, the 81 82 degrees. Now you've got striped marlin predominantly and now less finning and more like, Hey, I'm on a high spot throwing flashers and a striped marlin came in on my flasher. Whoa. Or, and then the occasional blue marlin, black marlin. As the water gets warmer and warmer, when you get into August, we see less billfish of the striped marlin variety and we see more sailfish. So when the water gets pretty hot, that's when we start seeing more sales than anything and then uh when we get in october the water starts cooling off again then you'll have a mix of everything from stripe to blue black and sales so you kind of see the whole spectrum on our side in, in ventana so if you're excited about billfish we do have every kind that there is but the predominant ones are stripe marlin and then also sailfish but yeah pretty fun if that's on your bucket list come check it out very cool. Um, <clears throat> so you guys not only have operate out of your, basically your home base there in La Ventana, you also have, and I've mentioned it before, I think we talked about it before where you're talking about some of your excursions that you guys are doing. Um, this year, when do you start that, those excursions like Mag Bay and, uh, Oliva boards, uh, do you do that year round as well? Excursions. Well, first I'll start about, just talk about, uh, mag bay so we've got an outpost there that is our facility and we run it so that's going to start in september we start doing trips and it's a very simple house we can sleep eight people and then it's got another house which functions as our dining hall and our restaurant and then we park two uh and sometimes three pongas over there starting in september so mag bay incredible fishery all fall 
um, and then it goes into even into the winter when it's windy over on the Ventana side, it's calm over on the Mag Bay side. But uh, that's exciting, and that's basically a land-based program. But instead of operating out of the mainland, we operate off the island. So you got a little tiny town that's population 50. We work with a great couple, Viviana and Fago, that have lived there their whole lives. Fago works as our head captain, and Viviana is our cook. And um, we live on the island, so we're closer to all the spots. What's island like? Life? Think Catalina, nineteen oh eight. Viviana shows me pictures like Timoteo. Look how the island has changed. Look what it look what it looked like back in nineteen twenty five. I found this old black and white picture, and you look at it, and it's exactly the same. And you go, Viviana, it's the same. <laughs> she goes, No, no, no. Look, look at that tree. Look how small it was, and there was a big rock there. I'm like, okay, whatever. But uh, it's it's the good old it's the good old boys. Super fun, super wild, and uh, it does feel a lot like the heyday of Catalina that a lot of us never got to see. Um, but it's got a spot that's a lot like Isthmus Cove and uh, Cap Harbor, and where we live in the house is let's call that Isthmus Cove. And on the other side is Cat Harbor. So we have the ability to trailer boats over the island in about 10 minutes and then relaunch on the, on the outside in the Cat Harbor side or the seaward side. So we don't have to go all the way around Punta Andrada. So we can cross the island while you're uh, sitting in the boat, maybe with your wetsuit half on, you're actually doing some land yachting over the island and we splash you and it takes Take some of the sting out of a run to Thetis Bank, so that's really nice. So those those trips go September all the way in through the end of January, uh, and they're fantastic. Prime time is going to be September through uh, early December, but then something else that happens on the Pacific side is the sardine run, and that's if you're if you're just dreaming about maybe free diving with Marlin and filming him or spearing a striped marlin and you're like this is my bucket list and i really 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 want to get one well then come in late november set up a trip with us and what happens is we get bait balls coming up cabo then Toto santos and then they come into our area and they stick around for about a month and a half and so this is where blue planet discovery channel all those guys bbc this is where they film all those crazy offshore bait ball encounters with marlin so we drive 20 miles offshore looking for birds, find them, get you in. And we have seen up to 50 striped marlin hitting bait balls where you're maybe you're just enjoying it, filming it and trying not to get too close to the action. Or you're finding your dream fish, taking aim and taking one nice uh, striped marlin. So it's super exciting. That happens in late November, early December. So Mag Bay's got a lot of stuff going on, and we've got that outpost. Really cool. Or if you want to have a little bit more comfort and stay offshore, we also do live aboard trips in Mag Bay. And those start in October, and they run all the way through early December. And we do uh, Mag Bay offshore banks. We, as much as we can with the weather, we'll stay offshore, sleep on a sea anchor, anchor on a sea mount, wherever we can, keep you offshore. Uh, the focus is blue water, but the backup is reef and we have some excellent reef fishing uh and then we also do alijos rocks so this year we're doing alijos rocks uh let's call it the the everest of baja spearfishing and that's october 31st through november 10th this year 
Uh, Lehouse Rocks is just shy of 200 miles offshore, uh, sort of west, northwest from Mag Bay, and it's planet Mars. It's a lot like Cortez Banks in that you're trying to get there from Southern California, and sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. If you don't, you end up at San Clemente Island, and for our trip, if you don't make it to Alijos, which most of the time we do, but sometimes we don't, the backup plan is amazing offshore mag bay, regular mag bay diving with two extra days. So not a bad plan B. So that's our uh, travel trips that we're doing. And actually, we have some more this year, too. Um, so let me know if you want to hear about those, too. But we got some other really cool ones. We're yeah, I'd love to hear about those. Um, but really quick, you mentioned Reef. Um, mag bay and reef diving what what are your targeted species there like broomtail or this rig yeah so if if you've got a big grouper on your list like broomtail and golf grouper to 130 pounds mag bay is your spot so we've got some really good grouper spots but also uh for the reef we get a lot of pargo dog tooth not as big as sea cortez but we still got them we got uh, Pargo Molato or the Coconaco, which get to be good size. Uh, yellow Pargo also over there, plus beautiful Cabrilla, um, everything Mexican hogfish, and a variety of other species. There's there's a lot of good, just trigger time, really fun reef diving. But if you want to look for your personal best on a gulf grouper or a broomtail, we've got some really nice spots Uh we're very selective with them so we ask everybody if you want to take one big grouper then you know set your sights on it and we'll we'll help you get that magical fish for yourself they're funny they they like structure but not always big structure we get spots where we'll tell somebody hey you're gonna dive down and it's 50 feet it's sand and all around you're gonna see a six inch ledge and you're probably gonna come up and go hey dude i couldn't find the reef all i saw was this six inch ledge we go well that's it Go start kicking around that. And in this little bitty chunk of rocks, we've got big grouper that are hanging around, not much structure. Sure enough, two or three more drops. People go, holy crap. I just saw a huge, huge grouper. And I'm coming back for my other gun. Okay, cool. So um, we do have some really nice fish. And their depths, we've got them in 45 feet up to 120 feet. So whatever your comfort level is. Be careful, be selective, and there's some beautiful fish down there. Really nice. We also do have, uh, we've got black sea bass, and we've got goliath grouper as well, or the jewfish. Uh, those we're going to leave alone. They are legal to shoot in Mexico, but there's not tons of them left. And uh, the reason we're not targeting them is more about relations with local cooperativas and fishermen than it is about uh conservation sure they are overfished but they're not critical so i don't think us taking a few is going to be a big deal but it's more about just i and the public of fishing you guys all you spiros know that we're always trying to get along with rod and reel fishermen and commercial fishermen everywhere we go and try in this in the spirit of that we're trying to uh leave some of those fish and it's not because the cooperative is saying oh man we really want to preserve those. Now they just want to get them themselves. And so they, they feel jealous if we pull in a couple of these big fish and they're very visual. So those, we get more negative feedback on fish like that in one 
trip than we do in five years of regular spearfishing. So we're leaving those alone. But a big broomtail and a big uh, golf grouper, wow, we've got them. Magbay's got some really good spots for that. So the reef diving is exciting. And while you're on the reef, you might see um, plenty of yellowtails while cruising in and out of the reef. So you've got a pelagic element in there as well. So keeps it really fun. And what time um, do you guys – is does the uh... – grouper season kind of start picking up on that pacific side is it like it actually starts picking up in late august the water comes we start getting the they call it the mar de fondo but it's the south swells it's the cleaning current and uh right before that the water goes real dirty june july it's dirty it's windy it's crappy and all of a sudden this new current comes cleaning up the water and then it goes blue and with that blue it warms up and those early times are really good for grouper August, September, but all the way through November. But sometimes those early times are the most magical with the the migration of fish coming into these spots. And uh, all of a sudden you've got nice water that you can dive in. So it starts to get that just magical blue. What's going on here? What just, what happened to this place? It was like a closure for diving for X amount of months with cold and windy and green. But remember, those windy green conditions bring food, bring nutrients, bring bait fish. And then when it cleans up, that's all brings game fish as well. So yeah, that's exciting. Something for everybody. Well, that's good info, but uh, I, I really appreciate that too, sharing that with everybody. Um, now I had also heard uh, kind of along those lines of what you mentioned with the locals, how there was some politics going on down there and people were getting fired up. Um, and I heard it from a few different, um, divers, but did they implement a band of getting grouper within that Gulf there, uh, between Abrios, the Abrios area? Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, it, it's an area called the Gulf of Ulloa, U-L-L-O-A. And so what they're looking at is putting in a, a band, but unfortunately, it's one of those bands that extends to spear fishing, but it's not to commercial fishing and it's not to uh, rod and reel fishing. <laughs> so it's just one of those, you know, information voids again, like Hannibal Banks in Panama, like everywhere. It's the same thing with people that don't understand recreational sport spear fishing and putting it on the ban list and banning. Uh, spearfishing with tanks, spearfishing at night, the, the classic pistolero stuff, that makes sense. But unfortunately, a lot of the people that are making decisions are still not really informed about what band-powered spear guns are in a sport fishing type of environment. Uh, the license for spearfishing here in Baja, all of Mexico, is the same license as sport fishing. So shouldn't be separated uh but that's yeah that's what's happening so far they're just starting to see the first of enforcement of of this going from the northern part of mag bay up to abriojos and uh and it's unfortunate because some of the boats enforcing it uh are actually guys that run spearfishing charters in the area also so uh they're not they're not sport fishing guys, but there's a guy who's in charge of enforcement from uh, a group down here called Fonatour. And we know for a fact that he runs spear fishing 
trips in that area that's supposed to be closed to spearfishing. So it's kind of a mess, but uh, we're, we're trying to basically be visual about it. So we're not targeting the north of the Mag Bay area there, staying out of there. And we don't want any problems. We want uh, the sport to flourish. But in the same time, trying to get together with other other groups that are running uh, sport versions of spearfishing and, and trying to get information out to decision makers and saying, look, this is our take. We're limited to five fish a day. Rod and reel guys are 10 fish a day. Commercial guys are unlimited. Who's going to get the most grouper? Who's going to get the most pargo? Like, not us. Right. So, uh, yeah, the jury's out there. And uh, watch how it developments. It's, it's very similar to Hannibal Banks in Panama, where a lot of the drive, and this is true here too, a lot of the drive to the lawmakers, the people screaming about it, are rod and reel guys from the sport industry who are screaming, hey, these spearfishing guys are killing all the fish. Well, if you look at the numbers, it's just not true. And they sometimes are a little bit more organized than we are as spearfishermen. And that's the same thing as in Panama. That's one of the driving forces there to try to ban spearfishing at Hannibal Bank is uh, rod and reel guys that are trying to talk to the government and getting kind of bogus facts saying they're, they're killing everything. They're scaring all the fish. They're just devastating. It. It's just, just not true. But um, everybody needs somebody to blame, you know? So Right. It's, all, it's also very day. self-serving for some of the guys, you know? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And the easiest target is to look at somebody in the water. Just think of a, a rod and reel guy or, and I love rod and reel fishing. I love commercial fishing. But think about one of those guys and they're fishing and then they have kind of a bad day and they see a sea lion in the water. Ah, what happened? Binche Lobos, the sea lions ruined all the fish. There it is. They're, you know, just, it's all they needed to escape goat that day. Now they see a free diver, spear fisherman, same kind of thing. So without really understanding too much of what's going on, it's easy to blame. So, yeah, but we did hear more noise than ever last year on that. So we're, we're hoping to make some progress banding together with other operators and trying to get some information there. It's not, not the easiest battle. Same thing for you guys in California, trying to get that information out, but we're trying. Yeah. And it's tough too, because I feel like, you know, us being the expats and the, you know, gringos um really it helps to get the local spear fishermen involved it's just there's so few of everybody you know um yeah but i i I bring it up just because i want everybody that listens to this that goes to these areas that knows there is a sensitivity about it and it's also very important not to piss people off where you go and uh be you know keep in mind exactly what you're talking about like keep in mind when you're shooting fish that you don't want to completely decimate the area. Um, you know, it's one and done. And, and maybe if you are going to go somewhere, use a local captain so they could kind of advise you. It might be seen a little bit better than, you know, just a bunch of gringos, but it's just, uh, yep. it's such a weird situation. It's not even weird. It's kind of normal, I guess, in a lot of places where these people are, yeah. that's their whole life. So mm-hmm. you got to be delicate and, and be respectful of that. So um, always tip well, I guess you could say, and make sure you be <laughs> respectful, you know? Yeah, you're right on. And don't do things like, hey, take me to your favorite grouper spot or take me to a new spot or take me to this spot that I have and then go dive it. Don't come up and tell the captain there's 200 grouper there. 
you do that, they're going to hammer it. So be selective. Also, loose lips sink ships. So it's okay, <laughs> okay to downgrade your reports. Get a nice fish. Yeah. Saw one or two. But say you find the honey hole. Don't tell the locals because, remember, they're, they're not mad that you got grouper because they want all the grouper to be conserved. They're mad because they want the grouper. So if you're telling them about there's millions of grouper down there, they're going to come back as fast as they can to wail on them. So just keep that in mind. But as far as, as far as you know, getting information out to decision makers, it's what we're doing. We're talking to uh, businesses in Mexico, and uh, a lot of them are Mexican-owned to get together and Mexican-run and guides. And uh, it's it's a lot of local voices that are going to help, right? Because getting a foreigner, you know, trying to tell people about how to conserve their resources when you're from outside somewhere else, that's, that's hard. You get listened to a lot better if you've got some credibility. So yeah, you're spot on on that one. This episode is brought to you by Neptonics Spearfishing. Uh, go check out neptonics.com for the absolute best, most reliable spearfishing gear at some of the best prices in the market as well. Uh, the thing that I like about Neptonics is you know the gear has been tested on there and they're not going to have some generic crap on there. It's all gear that works and people use it every day uh, with great results. So don't forget to put in the Spear Factor 10 promo code to get 10% off. Neptonics.com So I get this question a lot as far as can I recommend a charter? And I absolutely can. Lineage Charters here in San Diego uh, does giant bluefin tuna trips, uh, multi-day trips, and Captain Bly is your guy. He's got over 30 years of spearfishing and commercial fishing experience. So be sure to check out lineagecharters.com for offshore action. All right. So we kind of mentioned, you know, the gist of it, I guess, as far as, I mean, we, we just basically dipped our toe in it. But uh, let's talk about the upcoming event because that's why we're here. Yeah. The Blue yeah. Water World Cup. Um, give us the lowdown on that. Yeah, no problem. So it's history. God, I think this is our 13th year doing it. Uh, it's Dennis Hoster's baby. Uh, he's one of those guys that's forgotten more about spearfishing than we've learned yet. He's old school. He started it to be what he called the Bisbee of spearfishing. So it's, uh, got amazing prizes from tons of companies. It's got prize money. Um, it's blue water, so it's pelagics. We allow one refish, and that's something that's only new in the last six years, but it's still super selective with one refish during the whole tournament for per person. That's kind of cool. But uh, it's so it's although it's not sanctioned as any kind of event, it's a very neat, unique, kind of prestigious event. And I call it like a uh, who's who of spearfishing all at a destination wedding. So you got all these top level divers from Brazil, Florida, California, Australia. We've had guys from Guam, Hawaii. Uh, we had divers from Ecuador, Colombia, all over the place. And so guys come because they want to compete. 
but also there's this vibe of, hey, we're on lockdown here together for a destination wedding. Let's get to know everybody. So it's just fun. It's a lot less like a launch ramp competition where everybody's not really talking to each other and not giving out information because this this one you're checking out everybody's gear you're talking about what spearfishing like back in their hometowns great way to meet friends and go visit them where they live later on uh sharing information about about the spots i mean that's up to a point by by the second by day the last day or two sure people are their lips are getting a little tighter about where they're getting fish. Where'd you shoot that one? Oh, behind the gill plate. You know, they don't really want to, they don't want to talk too much, but very minimal of that. And a lot more just good times, great meals together, eating the catch, great cause. We're donating the fish uh, to raise more money to keep building a, a playground that we have called uh, El Parque de Busos, the diverse playground for a local town here. So just a cool vibe, great competitors, three to a boat. It's got three le- three days of diving in it. So the dive days are um, the 2nd, 3rd, and the 4th of July. Travel days would be the 1st arrive and the 5th depart. Most guys come early because they want to just dive, get in the swing of it, scout, take a look, shoot some fish, have some fun, and then do three days of the tournament. Tournament goes three guys per boat. Uh all pelagics so you have to come up this is a strategy point you have to come up with a uh strategy for your three guys and if you don't have three guys just write us contact at palapasfontana.com and say hey i really want to want to uh compete in the contest we'll ask you for your dive experience like a brief resume just because it's it's not a tournament for brand new divers so if you know if you're on a team with somebody and you're brand new we love brand new divers, but not during the Blue Water World Cup. So we'll ask you for your experience. Make sure it's the right tournament for you. But you need to come up with a strategy. And your your captains, they're all ex-commercial fishermen. They know what's going on. It's a contest for them. So they want to win, too. They get points for every fish that you guys get back. So you got to think, okay, here we are. Getting ready to shove off. And are we going to go north? Are we going to go south? Are we going to hit reef? What are we going to do? And then asking your divers, okay, Nobody's taking a reef fish yet. Okay, we got three days. Everybody get one reef fish. Okay, so today, no reef. Let's just do blue water. Okay, then every day you can shoot two of each blue water species with a maximum of five fish. So yeah, if you're thinking about conservation, remember the limits in Mexico for spearfishing, five fish per person per day. That's not many. Rod reels, 10. Commercial fishing, almost unlimited. So it's hard. That's why it's fun. So you, if you could, you say shoot two Wahoo. Yeah, you're stoked. And then a third the sloppiest Wahoo you've ever seen, 112 pounds come by. That's the actual size that Pete Coriel shot one here a few years ago. Big, just sloppy beast of a Wahoo. And you've already got two on the boat that day. You can't shoot it. Because if you do, you're disqualified for that day. And your captains get zero points for everything you shot for that day. So you only allow two blue water fish per species per day with a maximum of five fish total. So you got to, you got to keep track of what's going on. And with your teammates, say it's later on and maybe you closed your reef fish and, and your partners didn't, they still need it. Then you might want to go to a spot that's a high spot that has reef, deeper reef, but blue water on the top and do some combo stuff. So it's a lot of strategy. 
it's a lot of fun. And uh, there's a reason why people come back year after year after year to do this tournament. Super fun. Last year, um, we had a, a great uh, final with uh, Ivan Struthers. He's probably done like a contest, I don't know, eight years. And he just was getting more and more scientific about what he was taking, always getting things on the board, making sure every day brought back fish. And this year, he just figured it out. He smoked everybody. He did really, really, really good. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an exciting contest, and it's got incredible prizes as well. I mean, it, it uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it sounds exciting just hearing that when you mention the captains, it's in their best interests as well. So when you combine that local that local knowledge with the captains and then you got, I mean, that sounds like just a ton of fun uh, from a team aspect. Um, and you had mentioned the pelagics. Um, you know, the water is getting warmer at that time. Still, it's still getting warmer. Um, what kind of pelagics are you seeing? Because you had mentioned the marlin show up like and start showing up in May. Is it full-blown like marlin, striped marlin, wahoo, all of that time? Or less striped marlin, more um, wahoo and uh, regular marlin, I guess? I'd say the staple blue water fish are going to be Dorado, wahoo. Um, we have rooster fish in the tournament as well. So not tons of rooster fish, but we usually see one that's 60, 80 pounds. Exciting. Wahoo are a staple. Dorado are a staple. Um, amberjack are a staple. And they're down in that dirty water in that thermocline. Yellowtail, I think I mentioned this in the last show, was they're not really around unless you're Mark Healy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then guess what? They sure are because they're down deep. So we like had 100 to... feet or down there? Yeah, or... they're down 100 feet. We didn't have on the species list because, you know, in July I figured there's really no yellowtail around. Wrong. Mark Healy put one on the board every single day that it, the year that he came and smoked everyone in this tournament. So don't factor it out. It's on the species list. And down deep, there's some good-sized fish. So you got Amberjack, Wahoo, Dorado are the, the daily drivers. Add to that uh, Rooster, uh, Yellowtail Deep, Billfish. We'll have a couple Billfish taken in the tournament every year. Uh, and then Yellowfin Tuna. You can down in that thermocline. We choose July because you've got blue water at the top, but there's still a thermocline. Usually 40, 50 feet, you get this mucky, dirty water, and it's great for holding uh, amberjack and also yellowfin tuna. We've Many years we've gotten yellowfin tuna in the, in the tournament, and typically if they're in that thermocline, there can be larger fish too. Our largest yellowfin that we've got in the Sea of Cortez since I've been here was uh, 182 shot by David Vicino from uh, Playa del Carmen area. So they do get some sizable tuna here, and they're usually <clears throat> driving by in that, uh, in that thermocline. So those are, the, those are the, the usual suspects there. That's what everybody's looking for. And then we added one reef fish. So pretty much everybody wants either a dog tooth pargo or if they can find a gulf grouper. We do have gulf groupers. They're hard to find, but they are around. Or um, a nice cabria, or you could even if you're some guys just wait till the end and they never get that reef fish, and then they uh, end up the last day and all their teammates don't want to go to the reef, so they're kicking around and they you can find one of those big oceanic triggers 
they're round. So that we put it on the reef species. They're kind of reef slash pelagic, but they hang out mostly hovering over reefs. So we added that on there just for people, just in case you didn't get anything, you plug a 18 pound trigger fish that, that adds up. The billfish is <laughs> an equalizer there too, in that if you shoot a black marlin that's 470 pounds, uh, you're not going to get 470 points. You're going to instead get a hundred point maximum. That means it's not a total blowout. Somebody gets just, you know, monster marlin. It's not over. So hundred points and, and it keeps going. I like that rule. That's, that's Dennis Hossler intelligence right there about how to keep it interesting. So that's pretty cool. I was going to ask you about that because if that was the case, it's like, just go out and exclusively just wait for that big black marlin to roll in and then one and done. I mean, you can't compete if you're shooting anything other than a black marlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the biggest black marlin we've speared here was 650 pounds. So there are, there are some big ones, but you'll see them in Cabo tournaments, like the thousand pound black marlin. They are here. So it could happen. You never know. That's what I love about this area. You never know what you're going to see. You can go from blue water boredom to blue water total chaos from one minute to the next. And so that's keeps it really fun with this tournament. Is you just kind of never know. The rule is if the current's ripping, stay there. If the current goes slack, it's time to think about going to the reef. So, But again, there's not much reef here uh, allowed. Just one fish per person in in the whole tournament so you got it's a strategy for sure but it keeps it really fun now you had mentioned the uh, the the pelagics you guys go offshore and you're looking for basically bird bait balls or are you looking for i mean are you using flashers or what's the technique that guys have used um uh primarily yeah so the cortez side we don't have tons of birds and bait balls in the mag bay side we do when we're doing that whole sardine uh, migration and magbay it's all bird oriented but here we're just going to known dive spots so we're uh drifting over high spots or areas where current meets or we could be uh hitting our fads we're putting out 18 fads here in the next week and they soak and they get really good starting in late may and they're great for bringing in uh dorado wahoo billfish everything so got this variety of spots uh, that you can cruise over and you work those areas just like anywhere you go up current the boat drops you off it's it's like a, a ski lift right don't fight a current we mark the spots with a a buoy with a flag on it so it sticks up high so it's a great service for our divers you can pick your head up and you can see the flag or the captain will basically go to the spot so you can follow the boat so you're not you know the classic somebody dumps you in the water and goes go there. You're like, where? Once you're in the water, it's hard to figure it out. So make it simple for you. Show you the spots. Then you're going to be up current and you're going to be throwing flashers, hanging flashers. Maybe you're throwing bait because uh, it's it's allowed to buy bait for the tournament. So you could have your captain throwing chunked up sardines on top of you. You could be shooting. You could have an extra gun sitting on your float. You shoot a couple needlefish, chum them up in the water. And then you're drifting through it with your big gun. A lot of strategies there, but you're basically doing drifts over high spot with flashers, chum if you want it, and looking for pelagics coming by. We're uphill of the high spot 
and all your flashers are simulating the first bait fish coming out of a bait ball where the predators are going to hit. Then you pass the high spot. If you didn't see anything, gun up. Captain picks you up and then drives you back uphill. Start again. Now, in the rules, you can't have a loaded gun in the boat. Now, if you've got a big five or a six band gun, it's a beast, right? Unload, load, unload. So we do allow, if you're smart, you can figure it out. You can tie your gun off the back of the boat, load it, keep it in the water, and just tie it so the trigger's not going to go off. There's ways to do it. I know most of everybody's guns don't have safeties, these big guns, but there's a way you can basically put some bungee behind there so the gun can't, the trigger can't pull. And you can tow it slowly uphill, jump in the water again. You'll see the veterans of this tournament do that a lot because it just saves you so much time. But we want to keep people safe, right? We don't want loaded guns in the boat, um, especially because you got we got a, a random lottery every night. So you're with a different captain usually every day. So, you know, on a normal trip, when you stay with us, you know, on spearfishing vacation, you're with the same captain every day. You build up this repertoire. Everybody knows how they work and you know how to handle the guns. They know what your guns are like. They know what your slip tips like. They know how to rig it. So that's great. But when you have this random... Uh, setup you're with great captains but they don't have as much time to get to know you it's just safer no loaded guns in the boat so you can't tow them if you want but that's what we're doing we're working flashers and we're working um bait and drifting and marking the spot so yeah it's fun and the captains they love it it's great they they want to win they want fish they want to be talking to me and the other captains and you know, letting us know when they got something good and how many they call me at night hey how many points do I get who's the top three captains, who do I get for tomorrow? It's fun. It's game on. Everybody's excited. That actually sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a ton of fun, especially mixing it up every day. Um, yeah. What yeah. you mentioned the water depth on the Sea of Cortez. Oh, I'm sorry. On the, uh, on the Pacific side of Mag Bay with the diving reef from 45 on to 120. Is it roughly about the same at La Ventana? Uh, in the Cerrado areas, uh, you know, if you're, came here to target pelagics well the good news is you know everybody talks about blue water spearfishing the ultimate challenge and thrill well what they don't tell you is it's shallower <laughs> than reef that's why i love it yeah no <laughs> exactly exactly so don't don't tell everybody that but man you know there's fish that their their backs are dry yeah we've surface. talked about that before where it's like okay the challenge really in blue water has nothing to do with um actually uh you know with the fish because most of those fish are not necessarily intimidated by people i mean they're big pelagics they're more curious than anything but the real challenge is when you connect with that fish do you did you have a good shot is your equipment going to withstand you know that's the big challenge not necessarily finding them or necessarily even getting in a position to take that shot it's more about what happens after that you know yeah yeah, and so you've got a lot of fish that are shallow. You got, you know, Wahoo, Dorado. Remember, don't ever take that surface shot. At least blow out. Even if you can't take a dive, just blow out. Get your arm underwater so you don't flub a surface shot on the fish of your life because your arm's bouncing up and down on the surface. And then you do have some deeper fish. That's going to be uh, amberjack, basically. And we talked about yellowtail, maybe. And if there are tuna around, they can also be looking for that that murk zone. So it depends where the thermocline is, but it's it's worth it. Get because AJ's add up. You know we've had ninety five pound AJ one hundred four 
AJ, 88, AJ in the tournament, it's a lot of points. And you basically hang flashers are good for that down in the murk, jigging them up and down and uh, plunging down into the thermocline zone. That's very productive. But a lot of the other fish are shallow. I mean, the marlin are shallow too. You're going to see them and you're going to like, oh my God, it's coming into my flasher. We've had black marlin, you know, put a flasher in their mouth at five, a depth of five feet and like, like a dog playing with it. And you're like, what? Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. So you just never know what you're going to see. And uh, that's cool. So you could be doing blue water. Then you could be going, hey, I want to scratch up a rooster. Let's go in and uh, drift some beaches. And then you could say, go to the reef. You just got to keep looking at the conditions. But be smart. Ask your captain. They know. They've done the tournament every year. Plus, they've been commercial fishing for their whole life. So they want to win. They're going to put you on the fish. So come up with your plan. Be flexible. Ask your captain. And then uh, and then do you can. And, and just be flexible. Be ready to change. Be watching the current. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's super fun. With the Dorado, what size of Dorado do you get down there? I mean, I, they grow so fast. Are you getting, is like on average, are they around 20 pounds, 30 pounds? I'd say average, a little smaller, like 15 to 25 pounds. A big one for us is 30. A really good one for us is 40, 45 is That's really good. One, yeah. So we get, we get a lot of smaller Dorado, but uh, they are some bigger ones around. And you got to think about that. You know, you've got two, you got five fish total in the day. So if you see a Dorado and if it's a peanut, leave it alone. If you see a Dorado and it's a good one. Great. Shoot it. Then leave it on the spear because your buddy, there's going to be more around. Bring your buddy in because you've got one. There's no better flasher than a live Dorado on the end of your spear. It's very common that just like Rod Mill, you get one on, leave it on. There's going to be more around it. Um, so that's, that's good teamwork there. There's a lot of teamwork involved. There's three people in your boat. The prizes are all individual. We do have group awards. They're fun awards. We have trophies for it. But the big prizes on the prize table, and the prize money are all individual awards. Yeah, we call it phone a friend because it may not be another Dorado. It may <laughs> be a you know a, a big pelagic you know billfish coming in to to see what's going on too. So weapon weapons at yeah. the ready always you know. Phone a friend. I love that. I'm gonna yeah. use that. That's great. Don't forget about phone a friend. Don't don't wheel that thing in too fast. Yeah. Get your friend involved. Exactly. That's um, great. Oh, very cool. So with, uh, when you talked about going reef hunting there on the Sea of Cortez side, um, it's, is most of the reef hunting just right around the same kind of on the, around that 40, 50, 60, I guess, or it just depends too. Um, uh, it just depends on where you're hunting, but you've got all kinds of various water depths for the reef. Yeah. Our best Pargo is going to start it. 45 feet although there are some shallower spots that do hold fish there's cabria um yellow pargo pargo mulatto shallower so if you're if you're a shallower diver don't be intimidated there's plenty to do here that's shallow and fun to build your skills if you want a big pargo you need to get to 45 feet uh, 45 to 60 feet and if you're an experienced diver there's spots that are deeper uh high spots that there's plenty of bigger fish as well but yeah figure if you're a new diver, you want to get experience, we've got plenty of shallow spots. You're going to have a lot of trigger times. It's going to be fun. If you really want to go somewhere where you can get a nice dog tooth bargo on the reef, 
uh, and bigger cabrilla than 45, 65 feet. And then if you're a very experienced diver and you want to really look for a, a choice fish, we've got some spots that are deeper. I mean, all the way to 130 if you're an animal diver. We've, we've got it. Just be safe. Spot your buddy one up, one down. And know your limits. And remember, it's just a fish. If it gets holed up, it's just a fish. It's not worth your life. Be careful. And we're here to help you. We've got guides that are good divers. We've got scuba gear if we need it to get your gun back or your prize equipment or a fish that's holed up. You just can't get it out. But pretend like we don't have it. Fish like we don't have it. And then when it's a safety thing, you know, remember that we do have it. So it's just a fish. But yeah, there's a little bit of something for everyone here. That's great. No, I was going to say, just because you can dive to, you know, 120, now don't don't forget you're going to have to deal with a fish that got held up at 100, you know, hold, hold up at 120. That's a totally different animal. <laughs> like, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, no, very cool. It's, it's a lot of information, Tim, and, and, you know, you've lived down there, so you would know more than anybody. Um, and what a cool event. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like it's just a good time and it sounds like it's a wealth of knowledge. If you wanted to step your game up and you say you're a mediocre diver, um, such as myself, <laughs> you'd go down there and just be like taking notes from everybody. Um, who who has signed up this year? Is there a, a bunch of guys committed or is it just nobody's really committed yet? It's just the standard group of guys that usually come down there. Uh, no, we're getting, uh, we're getting signups. I think we're at 13 divers right now. Usually we'll get to 25 divers. The most we've ever had has been 30. So it's not a huge tournament. It's kind of small and that's, what's fun about it. Um, is there a limit, but we get a lot of, is there, is there a limit for divers? Uh, you know, we've never had that come up, but I think I would, I don't think I really want to go more than 30. Right. Just for boats, you know, that's 10 boats. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just a lot of logistics. And so I guess if that problem came up, I'd deal with it when it came up. But I think, I think if I bind 30, 30 would be a good limit, you know, to keep it, keep it small. Got to think about prizes too. You know, we have all these good prizes, but if you get too many people right now, you can be a last place diver and, and walk away with pretty much a gun, a float or a pair of fins. <laughs> That's amazing. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got killer prize table. And so I, I really like that. And what you said about what you can learn, say you come in, you're a mediocre diver. You got a, you know, a couple of years of blue water spearfishing experience. You're excited. Figure this is going to be five years of experience in five days because you're, all you're doing every day is looking at people's equipment. Just pay attention. Watch on the beach. What are people doing? Watch on the boats. Look, how they're diving, what are they doing? Come back, look at what's on the, the table every day and like, where do they see that? What do they do? It's cool. Like it is a fast track, blue water university type situation. And uh, if you have that attitude, man, it's it's great. It's a really fun time. Number one, the best diver in the world is the person having the most fun. Uh, number two, it's a great competition with killer prizes. And there's prize money, 2,500 bucks as well. It's, it's a fundraiser for a playground. So that's cool. And coming in with that learning at type of attitude, the people are cool and you're going to get tons of information, tips and tricks from, you know, salty guys that just 
are super fishy and know what's going on. I learned every year by watching everybody. And uh, I li live here and I love to dive. But I learn every year from talking to the divers and seeing where they went and what they did and what's going on. So I, I learned tons from it, which is great. Yeah, it's cool too because it's, you know, spearfishing, everybody thinks that everything is a constant, but it is a dynamic environment. It's constantly changing. Every season is different. You know, like the weather, every season seems to be a little different than the next, but there's general rules you can go with. But um, yeah, you, you could always learn a new technique or a new style or a new way to do something to keep in your back pocket. Um, and I've heard that from numerous people uh, throughout the world and, and traveling myself. It's pretty amazing to see. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the stuff, how creative people can be. Um, so now you mentioned the tuna too. How do you find the tuna? Are you just being doing drifts down and dive in the Merc just like you would for Amberjack and you're just kind of coming across them or are you sounding them and then um, telling the diver, Hey, we've got some, some, you know, some horseshoes there or some, some footballs down in the Merc there. Um, or is it just something that kind of happens just on the high spots and it's coincident, co coincidental. Yeah, just because we're not like a, a full-on tuna spot, it's more like you're looking for amberjack and all of a sudden you see some dark shapes pass by and you're like, holy shit, there's tuna here. Because we are, you know, this is a tuna area. It's not wide open tuna. It's not Hannibal Banks. You know, it's not offshore bluefin, but it's, uh, we do get tuna and it's pretty fun. Um, so it is diving in the murk, uh, looking, seeing what's coming up. Also, if you're chumming, watching chum disappear, watching it float down, all of a sudden you didn't even see what ate it, but all of a sudden flashy something is just gone. It's just gone. It's just gone. Time to dive. So that's, that's pretty fun. You're getting me excited just talking about that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Dive, dive, dive. Um, very cool. Is there, Let, in, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, if you getting excited about tuna, I've started to tell you about a couple of new trips we're doing is, um. This year we're doing a bluefin trip. You guys in San Diego are spoiled, but um, we're we're doing our first bluefin trip, and we're not going into the states. We're doing it out of a uh, northern Baja. So the same bluefin tuna that end up San Diego, uh, offshore Cortez, Tanner Bank, all that stuff. Well, they start off northern Baja, so we're doing one in uh, late May. So we're doing a uh, like an eight day shore base. So the fish are only about twenty to thirty miles offshore. A bluefin trip so i'm really excited about that we'll see how it goes it could be a new product that we offer uh, moon based all in the month of you know april may early june but so we're doing that this year for bluefin i'm very excited about that and then uh also i was just gonna just to let you know that our biggest yellowfin tuna that we've ever got here uh or panama we've done a lot of years doing trips in Hannibal banks uh is 320 and it was not in panama it was in mag bay so it was a spot southern mag bay on one of our liveboards and one day we got a 240 a 320 and another fish that took the guy's float shaft and just never came back <laughs> <laughs> just gone so if you're excited about tuna we do have some cool tuna trips that we do uh the the World Cup, it's exciting when you get a tuna, but it's not really like a big tuna area where you're focusing on that. It's more like you said, you're 
down there and you happen to see tuna. But if you want to do the tuna trip, Bluefin, Northern Baja, we got it. And Mag Bay in the fall, we've got a couple spots where we do chum all night and then dive first thing in the morning and just look for big tuna. It's pretty exciting. And that's on the liveaboard, correct? Yeah, that's on the liveaboard. The spots are a little bit farther. We do get yellowfin in the day trip zone from our house, but there's a couple spots that are a little farther. And what we do is we just sit out there overnight chumming. We anchor in, uh, what it's 500 feet of water, but we can't anchor with a rebar pick and then chum all night and then dive first thing in the morning. And, uh, it's just super exciting. We had a, a 70 year old guest shoot the fish of his lifetime, which was, a I think a two twenty yellowfin. And that was Pete Crowell. Mr. Coryell guiding that one, and he got the fish up to like 25 feet by having everyone just not dive on it and chumming, 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 and it came up, and he had first chance on it. So a 70-year-old diver went down, just plugged fish of his lifetime. Guy earned it and been diving his whole life. So, yeah, magic can happen if you're looking for one of those trips. Pretty exciting. Yeah, that's very cool. Those are the same fish that the Red Rooster on the 10-day and the 16-day, <coughs> excuse me, uh, leave San Diego and they go all the way down there and they're, they're pulling up, you know, world record, a uh, potential world, a yellowfin, and you have access to them right there. Um, right out of mag. Yeah. We can, we can be there in day one. <laughs> yeah. that's We say that we say that San Diego long range is Baja short range. So, I mean, we're not going to the Clarion or Socorro's to fish or, you know, the, hurricane bank but we are going to all those other spots and we're accessing it without two days of travel super fun so yeah it's a lot of fun and i used to work on the horizon and the ocean odyssey out of h&m landing there and uh that's fun those long range trips are fun but you know a lot of that travel time you're not doing anything it's really fun to rockstar in we've even got spots where we can be there in a ponga and look up and see boats from san diego that come all the way down there and we're like oh okay number 13 your cheeseburger's ready right oh <laughs> we're, man we're right there it's funny that's awesome um so how does one like logistically speaking i mean we've covered this before but let's just cover it again if people are listening for the first time how do you get to uh what's the best way to get to the to either your your house in Mag Bay or uh, down at Palapas Fontana. Oh, well, it's pretty easy. Just contact us. Contact at palapasfontana.com. We'll give you more information and help you choose when you want to be here, whether it's a tournament, a liveaboard, a uh, travel trip to Bluefin and Northern Baja, or maybe you want to do a Sea of Cortez outpost. We can talk about that, but... You have a lot of magical spots between La Paz and, uh, wow, north of Laredo even. We've got a lot of spots there that we can go. San Nicolas, Agua Verde, San Evaristo. And we base out of there. We've got families that we work with. So you get in touch with us and say, what do you want to do? And we'll tell you about our outposts. We'll tell you about what we offer and you can decide what to do. 99% of our trips, you're going to fly into Cabo, and we pick you up. We've got a nice Toyota Hiace. We've got a little sign with your name on it. Get in, turn on the AC, crack a beer, get here. Super safe, easy, 
Um, if you're from Southern California, San Diego, wow, you're lucky because now you can just do CBX, Cross Border Express, get on Valaris, get down here really cheap, and same thing, we'll pick you up in La Paz and bring you here. Most of the trips are going to start at Palapas Vedana, our little nucleus for the first night. And what I would do is I would add some diving in here to start. If you're looking at an outpost trip, let's do a couple days here in the Cortez. So dive Saravo, Cortez, two days, and then let's head off to one of the outposts. We'll drive you there. We'll go to Mag Bay. We'll go to our Cortez outposts. Um, and then we'll uh, set you up there with all the food, freezers, boats, everything. Sometimes there are boats that we've, like in Mag Bay, it's our boats. We maintain them. we got local captains. Some of the Cortez spots, closer ones, the outposts, it's our boat. Other ones, we just use boats from the little town there, mostly commercial fishermen. And, uh, again, we take good care of the locals. Like you said, Brett, tip, be courteous, follow the rules, be cool. Think about the next guys that are, that are coming to these little towns. You're an ambassador for the sport. So leave the details to us. Come in and uh, we'll show you a great time. We'll help you get the fish that you want. We'll give you training. If you want to add a, diet, a day of free diving training, we've got two instructors that we work with. They can come in and you do a line diving day, a safety day, whatever you want. Um, or just make it a pure free diving trip. Could be all at the resort. Could be at the resort outpost. It could be on a liveaboard where you fly into Cabo and we take you directly to the liveaboard. And I didn't even mention this, but we do see Cortez liveaboards too. So we have a 45 foot catamaran where we've got five one week trips on the book so far for the summer. And those basically you dive Saravo one day. And when you finish your dive day Saravo out of the resort, I come out of the pause. I captain of those love them. And you finish your dive day. Instead of coming back to the resort, you drive up to the catamaran tie up and we've got hors d'oeuvres and margaritas and mojitos sitting on the table and your bags are already moved into your staterooms and then we take off for a week and we'll hit five different islands so super fun we're just about to run a trip for um nathan from um, just get wet in san diego he's coming back for a second year with his crew and we're doing a, a really nice sea of cortez liveboard leaving on may 25th but that's going to be a blast so if you Get into his shop. He's he's selling that trip. Um, I think that one sold out, but he's doing more trips. Got one for next year. Or contact us. And uh, just a lot of fun adventures. Just contact us, and we'll help you. Don't sweat the details. Uh, I was I was wondering if Nathan was going to do it. I I saw his his uh, his schedule that he had put up, um, and uh, <clears throat> wasn't sure if he was going to do Sea Cortez again or the other side. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping to get him on the magnet side too, but confirmed sold out, uh, May 25th. We're, we're out there. I'm okay. his captain and we're, we're going to hit the Cortez and hit all the spots. We had a really good time last year. It was fun. And I think he's got half the people coming this year with same ones that were on last year. So it's going to be even more fun. It's a good group of guys. Um, for sure. Uh, so <clears throat> with the, uh, what's the water temp like on the Pacific side? Just because if you guys, I was just thinking as you were saying, like you fly in, do a couple dives on the Sea of Cortez side and it's, you know, 77, 75, whatever. Um, and then you go over the Pacific side for someone, what's the water temp like? Is it much of a difference at that point? Or I guess it depends, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Say, say, it's, say it's October and you've got 
Cortez is 81, and then you get over and uh, Mag Bay is 75. So you can have that happen totally. So we'll advise you a week before. We'll say, hey, this is what the temps are. But a lot of times you bring, say, a three-mil suit and a five-mil jacket. So you can mix it up a little bit, uh, which can work really well. Or you bring a one-mil suit and a three-mil jacket, depending on what time of year and what's going on. But expect you know, a, a change in the water when you go from one coast to the next. And we'll let you know. And also, if you don't have stuff, we have stuff too. We got hooded vests. We have all kinds of stuff that we can outfit with you. As very well. cool. No, very cool. I just, <clears throat> I was just wondering about that. I mean, I, I know from my personal experience, but other people may not. And, um, that's something to consider just what you're bringing. I mean, I guess when you email Tim, you know, he's got, a, he got it all laid out. You've done this quite a few times, <laughs> not your yeah. first rodeo. So, yeah. um, yeah, very cool. Is are you guys still doing the Blue Water University down there, or we don't um, have it on the books this year? I love doing that, but uh, Pete's running a uh, a private yacht in uh, Montauk area now, so it's harder to get him to break away. So I don't have it officially on the books. So I'm kind of looking for another another superstar that wants to be our our talent. All our our guides are great and they can help you, but I really like to have like a kind of a a celebrity. So Dennis Hofstra's run it before Pete's run it before Brad Thornborough from uh headhunters run it before. So if I get another celebrity that wants to do it, then uh, I love doing that trip. It's a lot of fun guys that just, we just focus on that really fun. So it's not on the books for this year. Hope to bring it back next year. And if you're a celebrity, uh, we want you to come and do it. I'd love to do a women's trip too. you know, have a, uh, Maybe it's Kelsey Albert or Julie Rife or, you know, Valentine Thomas or somebody who wants to come and do a Blue Water University girls trip kind of or reef or whatever. But like, you know, Women's Week would be really cool. So other thing we're looking for. There's some, I mean, the women are just kicking ass. Like I just uh, interviewed, uh, just had her on the show, Nicole Burko. And uh, she was, she, I mean, that i mean just her world record pargo it's like ah, damn that's legit um there's some women that are really kicking ass uh that side of the house there's i guess i say some i mean the population of dedicated serious women divers has grown significantly and it's cool to see um you could very easily put together a core group of women for something like that it'd be really cool to watch yeah it'd be great let's break yeah. down the barriers you know it's hard to get into spearfishing if you don't know people and you're kind of excited about it like it's hard you know a lot of the other sports are so easy to go learn to play volleyball or water polo or whatever but spearfishing is not just readily available to a lot of people so i'd love to do some women's clinics it'd be really fun so yeah if you're a celebrity female spiro out there let's do it it'd be fun yeah, especially get some young some young kids out there too, learning it, you know, from other women. It's probably easier to take sometimes than some overbearing dude like myself. <laughs> like yeah. try to teach as much little kids. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, no, very cool. I mean, uh I, I see it sometimes in softball, you know, it's like you got the dads out there, but it's like where's the moms that are, you know, college softball players teaching these young women how to play, you know, it'd be it's just kind of a different connection there. Um, so, 
if we had talked about this a little bit before, but if you're interested, uh, can you say again what the dates are for the uh, for the Blue Water World Cup? Yeah, no problem. It's July 1st through 5th. So you're going to spend the 4th of July with us. We've got fireworks. We've got killer prizes. So it includes three days of diving, uh, all your accommodations, all your meals, chance at $2,500 of uh, prize money and just ridiculous prizes from, I mean, the list goes on, but so far confirmed at silver level, which is $2,500 with the wholesale um, hammerhead, Coletka, Venture Wetsuits, Neptonics, Atomic, Stalsack, Sunto, Divar Fins, Patagonia, Blue Tuna Spearfishing, Red Tide, Rovar, Daryl Wong, Tri-State Divers, Koa, Pelagic. The list goes on and on, but all these names are killer prizes sitting on the table. Like I said, last place diver still usually gets a nice float, a pair of fins, or a spear gun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, but, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So those are the dates and you just contact us. Don't be intimidated. Be like, oh, it's groups of three. I don't I don't have anybody that can go with me. So what? Email us. We'll put you with another team. We get a bunch of people that email us, say, hey, we're looking for one more. So let us put you together with the team and you know, you're gonna meet some people, have some fun. Like I said, it's not an intimidating tournament. Think about it with the right attitude. This is a great way to learn and have a good time. And then what's the cost of it right now? I mean, is there like, have you worked out? I mean, it's all inclusive once you get there, correct? I mean, yeah, I have it all five days. Yeah. It's all promoted. And I honestly, I don't have it right in front of me and I don't want to misquote myself. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. If you look at the website, bottom line is get yourself there yeah. um, via, via like the way we talked about, it. if you're coming from Southern California, take yep. the CBX, walk across the border. It's like, I think it's like a hundred bucks or something. Maybe, maybe less. I don't or Maybe a little more. I don't remember to fly into La Paz or Cabo. Um, and then uh, get yourself there and everything is taken care of by then. Yeah. Once you're here, just bring some money for tips and booze and that's it. Otherwise everything's handled. It's great. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Super fun. Good guys. Got more and more Northern California divers getting into it. We've got guys coming from the freshwater scene. Uh, the Mike McGuire crew of the competitive freshwater divers are great. Those guys got great energy and, they're a force to be reckoned with. Brett Liebel, uh, you've got uh, Jake Lords. You know, right. it's freaking a party on wheels. It's fun, and uh, that's great. Great guys, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I talked to Jake Lords before. He was telling me about it, and uh, he absolutely loved that. He said he was just sweating the whole time, <laughs> based on, yeah, <laughs> from diving in like thirty degree. 30 something degree water to, to jumping in and see a Cortez. I'm like, yeah, I would imagine. So yeah. Uh, and if you haven't seen the Jake Lords morning ritual, then you got to watch that blue water world cup video again, because it's mesmerizing. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's it's some, super hot. There's some things you hot. can't unsee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was a stripper in his last life, but you know, just, it's breathtaking. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Uh, He's good fun. Yeah, it seems like he has just a ton of good energy. And and uh, again, like after speaking with him on, about a little bit his experience, he said he just had an amazing time um, 
down there as well. Uh, I haven't talked to a person that, that said that they had one negative experience. It was all just a lot of fun. Even if the weather, I think it was a couple of years ago, even if the visibility wasn't great, it was still just an absolute party and a good time, um, you know, in and out of the water. Uh, so, uh, all right, Tim. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this with us all. Um, and if someone is interested just in general of putting together something for you, uh, with you guys down there, just email them like we had talked about, uh, and, and like tell them their wishes. And then, and then are you tell, they'll tell you the wishes or whatever it is. And then you, I'm assuming, uh, would come back with like the best plot, you know, option. It seems like your, your brand, if you will, of Palapas Ventanas is truly specializing in custom um, type trips. Is that correct? Yeah, hundred percent. This is Fantasy Island. I'm uh, Mr. Rourke. Tattoos here. You know what do you want to do? <laughs> the plane, the plane. Send the shuttle to Cabo. Like, oh, this is uh, Brett. He's dreaming about a uh, world record Wahoo. Okay, great. Let's do it. So yeah, you tell us what you want to do. I've been here 20 years. I've got a resort. I've got six pongas on this side. I got a house in Mag Bay, a catamaran for the Sea of Cortez, a 60 foot charter boat for Mag Bay, travel trips to Northern Baja or Panama. Like, let's do it. Let's have some fun. Some of these weird trips are my favorite. You know, if you want to come up with a spot on the Sea of Cortez up higher that we've never been to, I've got my eye on a few places. I'd love to do it. It'd be really fun. But, um, just staying right at the resort too is great, but we're, we're, we love spearfishing. We love groups or small trips, but groups are the most fun. And if you've got your wish list, maybe you don't quite know what it is, but let's talk it out and figure out what's the best trip for you. And, uh, think about that. We're your little Baja home base and we love customizing stuff. It's great. Super fun. So you mentioned Panama a couple of times. You guys are still doing are you still doing trips to Panama? We didn't go this year. Uh, I just took another year off post COVID. I took another year off. I'm just kind of waiting till momentum builds up for that one. We do a, a really great live aboard trip. We've done it. Ooh, I'm going to say six years. So I'm going to wait till we have a little bit more momentum and, uh, and people are ready to go back there. I, I know a lot of people that are diving there and having fun and getting nice fish. And so it's great. We usually go late April uh full moon late april that's when the biggest fish are it's right on the edge of the weather starting to turn but it's still good and the biggest fish we had a 264 was our biggest hannibal tuna that we got there but it's you know it's a spot where we've got a 75 percent chance that everybody on the trip is going to get a tuna that's 100 pounds and that's that's pretty good odds that's why i like it better than you know puerto vallarta or somewhere else where you you know, on your fourth year, you start to see fish. It's not like that. You're everybody's shooting fish, which is really fun. So stay tuned for next year, late April. I think we'll go back. Um, so if you're interested, we'll be back there next year. Live aboard setup. No mosquito island. Uh, <laughs> no, no pouring beet in your hair. Uh, that's just not happening. We've got a live aboard. There's AC. There's great food. And the runs to the spot are like 12 minutes. So. Super fun. So are they allowing, because you had mentioned the Hannibal Bank, are they, they shut that down for diving? 
No, there's people diving there right now. So it's another one of those little gray zones with a, a bunch of political interests kind of going back and forth, but it's not officially that I am aware of illegal to spearfish. And there's people spearfishing every day there. There's operators running trips every day. There's grumbling immense sport fishing and spearfishing. Commercial guys don't care. You can spearfish right next to a guy who's anchored on Hannibal and wrap your tuna and your buoy around his anchor and they'll help you with a gaff to undo it. They don't care. They're super happy. And uh, it's just ongoing. And there's a couple guys that are, are working to, to kind of sort that out more. So that's another reason I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for to be a little more clear. And that's another spot where people have to be aware. You know, you don't want to go crowd up on other boats there. You want to give them space. There's other spots to dive in just one spot. There's run and gun with dolphins. There's a couple other high spots that are nearby. So it's another place that's important to be polite if you're diving there. So you don't give the, because what the rod and reel guys want is that they want a bad name for, for divers, you know? And if you think about it, divers on a high spot, they represent a boat. Take about the length of a boat and, and go through there, pulling your float line and go through. And don't just sit there, but go through. Usually you are anyway with the current. And then get back on the boat and do another pass. Well, that's what everybody's doing, trolling or drifting and fishing anyway. So a spear fisherman is kind of like a boat. and that's a, Or if you pair them up, then you got two guys drifting through. Is, is taking up the same piece of water as a boat. That's a good way to be polite and do it and move off the spot and then go back up again. So anyway, that's enough, enough about Panabal. We'll be back there next year. Cool. Looking forward to seeing some footage from that um, and hearing some stories. Um, all right. Well, I just, I'll let you, I'll let you go, Tim. I, I, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and getting the word out about this blue water world cup. Um, it's really exciting to see every year how the turnout, but just the fish that you guys get and um, see the cast of characters down there, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, well, if you guys are interested, check out Palapas Fontana website and hit Tim up about it. Um, like I said, I have not heard uh, a bad experience or anybody that said anything other than, man, it was an absolute blast. So uh, be sure to you know hit Tim up and let him know um, at Palapas Fontana. Very excited. So thanks, Tim, for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Love love the chance to get the word out and uh, see what you're up to. So I really appreciate it. All right. That completes this episode of the spear factor. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks again, Tim, for uh, reaching out and um, sharing all that information with us. Also, you guys, uh, if you are interested at all in the contest, the blue water world cup, I strongly encourage you to reach out to myself or Tim and uh, sign up and go for it like i said before i've heard nothing but good things about it and as always if you guys want more information on anything um or have any questions about spearfishing or need help with any particular issue you can reach out to me at spearfactor.com or hit me up on instagram at the spear factor <clears throat> and um i'll be sure to respond to you as quickly as i can and help you out if you need any help with that all right, you guys, take care and please dive safe.